0: Charlie Higson and Friends on Scala Radio
1: Welcome back you're listening to Charlie Higson and Friends here on Scala Radio and my special friend this week for the first in the series is my my best and oldest friend Mr Paul Whitehouse
2: We were talking uh, about how classical music is generally sort of uh, disseminated to the public and you raised a point you said that a lot of people are intimidated by somebody saying well that was um, the uh, second movement of the 14th symphony for strings uh, the old Daggio, uh, opus three in in b minor and um you said then that puts a lot of people off and can be intimidating but i think that that kind of um, cataloguing and nerdy classification exists in all forms of music.
1: Well, it can do, but I think particularly in classical music, if you think you don't listen to classical music or you don't like classical music and you hear that, you think, oh, should I know all this stuff? Should I know what it means? And uh, classical music isn't, you know, there is a difference between the way music is presented on Radio 1 Say and the way it's presented on Radio Three. With Radio One, it's like here's a great new song. You can really have a great dance
2: to it. Is Whereas, that how, how you think that Radio One DJ? Talk- I don't know.
1: I haven't listened to it for about a hundred years. I'm too old. But on Radio Three, you know, the piece will end. You'll have about thirty seconds silence, and then someone will come on in a very learned, posh voice. I mean, it, even Radio Three has changed.
2: Hey, the silence is intimidating, isn't it? If you if you just bang on Radio Three because you're sick of Talk sport as I do <laughs> then, I'm on a strange Venn diagram that goes from talk sport to Radio Three. <laughs> They're on that real silence. You think, what's going on? Is it the end of the world? And then someone will go, "That was Marla's."
1: Yes, so that, but you know, I, I, I mean, we we sort of touched on on, on styles of presentation with. The, the jazz club sketches we did on on the far show which was picking up on that because jazz is also treated oh, are, jazz. you know you have to know every single detail about a track you can't just set, play a track and say wow this is a great tune that, um,
2: yeah, that, and that is intimidating in, a, in the jazz world but i would also say that he, he
1: I well i suppose yes it was something like uh, radio six music
2: yeah uh, um, that is you you know, know, Bill Sessions in 1972 the Aggie Pop there, featuring Mick Ronson on guitar. You <laughs> left David Bowie. You know, I mean, it's like... Um, Woody Wuppensee, uh popped in for the bass session there. Uh, <laughs> uh, those recordings have never been heard before because originally the tapes were wiped. Yeah, you know, you know, there is like, that.
1: There is that in all areas, but but yeah, I suppose because permeates
2: no, no, all... Yeah, all forms of like, especially with where men are concerned. But I would also take issue with you about. You know the Radio One concept. Not that we know what it is, but I find it intimidating. I hear a track that my daughter might want to listen to, and I, I um, shazam it, and it's you know Munch, aka Brunch, featuring Lil Bob, and I'm thinking, what on earth is this? I have no idea.
1: We've, we've become we've become divorced from it, but then we don't we're not particularly going to want to go to Radio One and have them give us a lecture. So I mean, you know, you can imagine the like, you know, if Radio the old school Radio One had played classical music and Mike Smash had been yeah. at the controls.
2: What uh, guys? It's uh, quite literally uh, uh, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart or Mozart, uh, not to be confused with Morrissey there. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, here he is. It's a, a bang in the tune, and this one's called Paul Giamore. A strange name, a strange guy. Let's rock. Yes. Let's opera.
1: Okay, now the next piece of music you wanted to play was uh, Caruso's version of Turner as Sorrento, uh, which we couldn't actually uh, find a version that we could play, but we've got... Well, Paul, perhaps you'd like to introduce the version of Turner as Sorrento, of whatever it is that we're playing. <laughs>
2: It's called Torna a Sorrento. People think, a lot of people think he's he's an operatic aria. It's not. It's a Neapolitan song. And uh, singing it today is uh, a legendary guy, one of the three tenors. uh, He's quite literally uh, Largiano Pavarotti. (laughs) And uh, he's uh, singing this uh, Neapolitan song. It's called... uh, i love neapolitan ice cream don't you great mate, mate i certainly do i could eat a bucket of it and i'm sure that old Pavarotti himself would polish up a bucket of neapolitan ice cream for his breakfast <laughs> anyway here he is singing a torna a soriento a wee bar bar bye bye
1: You're listening to Charlie Hickson and Friends here on Scala Radio. And my special friend this week for the first in the series is my my best and oldest friend, Mr Paul Whitehouse.
2: Ah, sweet, Charlie. That's very nice. Thank you very much. And can I say how much I'm enjoying?
1: this? Well, I mean, it's great. I mean, because we've not been meeting in person much, so it's nice just to have a chat to you for a couple of hours and yeah. listen to some great music as well.
2: A couple of hours is quite long enough, though.
1: But the next bit that he's uh, chosen for us is something rather different. It's possibly one of the greatest pieces of music ever written, according to him anyway. So that was, of course, the theme music from Match of the Day. But, Paul, is that really the greatest piece of music ever written?
2: All right, I'll qualify a little bit, Charlie. I was being a a bit cheeky and a bit irreverent, like uh, I believe is the the sort of thrust of Scala and you in particular. And let's say, you know, classical music's for everyone. It's not classical music, is it? It's got like a proper drum kit on it. Uh, But it is a brass instrumental piece, I think, and it's... uh, I can honestly say that that piece of music has brought me more joy in my life than any other piece of music. It's stayed with me since I was a little seven or eight-year-old kid and I first realised that Match of the Day was the best thing on British telly then and it still is now, even though actually a lot of the time when I watch it, I'm bored to tears. There's something so reassuring and joyous about that, um, that theme tune. So I, I put it in. It's a little bit, you know, as I say, a little bit edgy. No, we, we, we wanted to play Ed music played? that
1: Are music they... that meant something to you, um, and the fact that that has stayed with you all through your life. I mean, it's probably a march, isn't it? It probably
2: is a march, and
1: I'm sure there yeah. must be lots of versions that have been played by the the band of the Coldstream Guards or whatever.
2: <laughs> probably, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I believe when Donald Trump came over, they 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 played that as they marched past him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you see, but what the interesting thing
2: well, is. Can I say something about um, uh, Donald Trump? Because I saw, I had the sort of misfortune to watch John Lydon the other day talking about how he voted for Trump and how mm-hmm. I'm so working class. He said, well, You're not. You live in uh, Los Angeles and have lived a life of untold extravagance for the past four decades. And he, yeah, he obviously he was born working class. But, you know, it just makes me laugh. Um, we were talking about um, music and how um, revolutionary music can be and how yeah. subversive. And, of course, the Sex Pistols, you know, when they came out with Anarchy in the UK and God Save the Queen, probably thought they were being very subversive. Um, John Lydon used to walk around wearing a, a T-shirt that said, I hate Pink Floyd, didn't he? Quite <laughs> he'd, like, he'd scrawled, I hate, above Pink Floyd. Well, they thought, of course, one of the most subversive pieces of music ever written was, in fact, Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall, which was taken up as a sort of anthem, I believe, in the townships in South Africa towards the end of apartheid. How about that, Charlie Higson? Well,
1: yes, well, music can have unexpected consequences. Yeah. Isn't yeah. It? And it the circle
2: like turned hasn't it, upon Mr Lydon that Pink Floyd became the most subversive band ever and it just made me wonder if Dave Gilmore might get a Sex Pistols T-shirt out and write I hate above the Sex Pistols and start wearing it.
1: Well, uh, should we? Uh, let's see if we can get hold of him. Yeah. Give him a call. Give him a uh, call. Dave, <laughs> any chance you might get a yeah. scroll I hate on a Sex Pistols T-shirt?
2: And then perhaps you could get in touch with John Light and say, John, what do you make of Nick Mason or Dave Gilmore? Saying, I hate Pink Floyd. How do you feel about that?
1: <laughs> what do we play next? We're going to back to some more Mozart. To Mozart. Um,
2: oh, K219 violin concerto. Uh,
1: K22 colon one dot allegro. Oh, look, it's a great piece of music. Which is, what? how does this bit go? What's the melody? <inaudible>
2: This uh, for me, Charlie. This bit of Mozart is—I uh, would describe this is a little bit crash bang wallop, okay. But it also is—it it demonstrates the virtuosity of the violin. And there's a little bit again. I think Mozart preempted so much. It sounds like a sort of guitar solo a lot of the time. So obviously it's been borrowed. You realise how much has been appropriated, you know, by. Current musical forms or recent. yeah, well that, that is one
1: of the things that people sometimes find off-putting about classical music is is they say well where's the tune you know the violins are going do do all over the place and yeah if you say to them well think of it like a guitar solo yeah it
2: becomes
1: it, it becomes, uh, it becomes yeah. something more familiar.
2: There's a bit at the end. There's a sort of gap and you the violin starts up and you realise that there's about a six-minute end. <laughs> you feel it building up. <laughs> And you realise, oh, I see. He started it. He started the finale there, and it's just fantastic. When you listen to it a couple of times, you realise that's what he's doing there. Like everything stops, and this violin starts up on its own, gradually building up. And it could easily be a, you know, like a, a sort of Jimi Hendrix type, you know, build. Well, up let's,
1: well, well. Let's listen to that. This is Charlie Hickson and friends here on Scala Radio. And my friend this week is Paul Whitehouse, who's been playing a lot of opera music, which which I'm very, very happy with. I, I love opera and going to the opera. I've had some amazing experiences going to the opera over the years. I remember one time I was uh, backpacking through Europe and managed to get a job working um, at a sort of avant-garde music festival in Montepulciano, which is a classic hilltop um, Tuscan village. It has this amazing music festival, a lot of Muslim music, but also a lot of old music. And they've got this crumbly old, quite small opera house there. And the first night um, I arrived there because I managed to get a job building um, the sets for this opera that was traveling around. But the first night I got there, uh, they said, no, let's go to the opera. And we went there and you know, I was just wearing shorts and T-shirt and we took in bottles of wine and sandwiches and stuff and sat in a box and uh it was actually the marriage of figaro which we've um had a couple of tracks from a couple of arias from before and it was great because it was just full of ordinary italian people from the town and the surrounding area who were just coming in for a great night as if they were going to see a musical or whatever and it and it and it, and it, and it was a really fabulous night and it just made me think you know if if only other people could go and see opera out of the sort of stuffy dinner suited world of the royal opera house
2: i remember uh, you telling me about that many years ago charlie describing that um that uh, summer and uh, that experience you had with that and i remember at the time it really stuck with me it very it seems very vivid um and visual image to me that i can picture you there in your shorts and your t-shirt yeah but it's,
1: you know at the end of the day the sun's going down it's really hot uh-huh. dusty and people are Streaming into this opera house from from the surrounding villages, it was st- it was absolutely magical, and you get much more of a feeling of 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 how this music can be and um, the the joy it can bring into people's lives.
2: Pace, pace, mio dio, pace, mio dio.
1: Yes, it's uh, pace, pace, mio dio, as sung by my friend. Paul Whitehouse. You've chosen uh, a version sung by uh, Leontine Price. Was there a particular reason for that?
2: Uh, yeah, there was, actually. It's uh, a, a sort of political correctness, Charlie, if you like. Um, oh. Pace, peace, peace, my God. You know, she's torn apart by a lost love. And uh, one of the sort of the, the usual themes um, of opera are is especially for um, the females, well, and the males for that matter, but Leontine Price is um, uh, African American, and there were there have been quite a few black opera singers over the years that perhaps have not uh, and has not been highlighted very often. And so I wanted to um, I wanted to yeah say Leontine Price was a brilliant singer, and her version of Parche is fantastic. But again,
1: I, I I think it gets across the point that opera is not just. For and by stuffy old middle-aged white men that there are a lot of um uh black singers, uh, opera yeah. singers. and back in the 80s there was a, a very big cult french movie called diva um which yeah, everyone everyone of our, of our age Paul went to see uh it's a sort of weird culty uh, sort of crime film, and the young guy in it uh, becomes obsessed with a black opera singer who is the diva of the title. And the aria that is sung in the film, uh, La Wally, La Wally, La Wally, La Wally. Uh, which translates as The Wally, um, was sung by Wilhelminia Fernandes. So, And it actually became quite a hit at the time. Paul, tell us a bit about this next track. It's a bit unusual.
2: It is unusual. It's, it's not an unusual piece of music. It's uh, Mendelssohn's Violin Concerto, which is uh, quite well known and acknowledged as a very difficult piece to play. And uh, again, it's um, uh, a well-known um, Afro-American, Black American soloist. Um, he's not a professional musician. He went on to have a very different career uh, indeed but he trained as a violinist in his early years and here it is see if you can guess who it might be
1: was Mendelssohn's Violin Concerto in E minor, which was one of the pieces I used to love listening to as a kid. I mean, the violin on that is just so, uh, so over the top. And that version, as you say, is played by someone who's, who was not a professional um, musician. And it's actually from a concert he did on his 60th birthday. And it was like, it's my birthday. I'm going to play Mendelssohn with an orchestra. But I mean, it's, it is very, uh, so uh, Paul, tell us who it, who it is that actually was, was the soloist on that.
2: Well, he's like, actually the leader of the Nation of Islam, Louis Farrakhan, jolly. <laughs> well. So and uh, I found this out via a very circuitous route that he was able to play this. And apparently he did train as a, a classical and concert violinist um, and he was moderately successful, actually. And uh, I think he, he won a, quite a few talent shows. Um, but then, you know, he went on a... a chose a very different route, obviously, mm. and uh, ended up, um, you know, going into politics. So one of the things he said, actually, was, uh, there's enough black singers and entertainers. <laughs> uh, we need more um, political thinkers. So, but I w- would imagine that, uh, you know, in the dark nights of the soul um, of politics, I would imagine that in the rough and tumble of politics... Uh, he must have wished many times that he'd stuck with the, the violin. And well, I mean,
1: as you said in, in your introduction, it's, it's a technically an extremely tricky yeah.
2: piece yeah. to play. Anyway, uh, it, it, and he made the point, that said, you know, look, this, you know, this music is available for everyone, and uh, Black and Afro American and people of color should not be excluded from it or think that it isn't for them as, as, yeah. as for everyone else. And he actually has made that specific point. So I thought it was quite an interesting thing to. To, uh, to I, mean, I mean,
1: talking uh, talking about the technical challenge of playing um, the violin. Aos Council played all the violin for Benedict Cumberbatch in Sherlock. She would uh, she would show him roughly what he was supposed to be doing, and then she would stand out of shot and actually play the piece, and he would watch what she was doing and mime along to it. So there you are. There's an interesting fact for you. Well, Too good. I think we've got two good pub quiz questions there. Who played the violin in Sherlock and who is playing this version of, of Mendelssohn? Yeah. Um, well, let's have some more music now. And this is another vocal piece, but it's not actually from an opera. It's from Richard Strauss or Richard Strauss's Four Last Songs. Um, a, a great song cycle that I came to quite late in life. And I think you probably Need to. When we started out this show, we talked about the sort of crash bang wallop type of uh, lively 1812 overture type of music that you perhaps get into first as a kid and you mature as you get older and you steer clear of people like um, Mahler and Strauss, perhaps, um, and Sir Michael Tippett, as we touched on earlier. But then as you get older, you don't necessarily want to be hearing cannons going off. During your classical piece uh, and there is something just beautifully moving and, and, and melancholy and, and the fact that it is the four last songs it's a sort of thing you can imagine as you walk slowly off into the twilight. Um, this is the third of the four last songs or the Wir Lieder and I'm going to completely mispronounce mistran- uh, it. It's called something like Beam Schlaffengan. <laughs> That was a great Jesse Norman singing the third of Richard Strauss's four last songs, uh, "Bim Schlafengeh." Yeah,
2: you've you've nailed it again. Then uh, Josh, well, I'm not a professional DJ or. You're not a professional German either. Are you? Uh, no, no, I'm not, uh, not a professional and, uh, and Jesse Norman, of course, another um, celebrated uh, Black American. Well, Black uh, soprano. Yes, soprano. Was she
1: a mezzo? I I don't know. Again, we're straying into
2: slight um techno. Like well, we're not. Do, they, is, uh, do they play lead guitar, yeah, or guitar? It's slightly
1: less high than the soprano, I believe. Exactly. And it, kind it, of it, half it, yeah. Mezzo soprano, which is like the, yes, the half soprano. It's sort of one one down from the from the highest range of the soprano Yeah, you see, as I was saying, I'm not here as a professional. I'm here as someone who loves listening to this music and I like sharing it with people and it's great Paul for you to be sharing some of your favourite music.
2: It's been my pleasure Charlie and uh, you know sometimes um, I I don't visit uh, the classical music and the opera as much as I I should and I, I, I get a little trigger and then I'll sort of binge on it and then I'll leave it alone for a while you know. Similarly I might sort of have a little trigger and I have a I'll look at late period Beatles and I'll listen <laughs> to them in Abbey Road, you know, and listen to them endlessly for two weeks till I can't bear them anymore. Um, but you were talking about a mezzo-soprano and um, we're moving into full mezzo-soprano territory now for this, uh, this aria, which is uh, from Samson and Delilah. And, uh, I, and let's see if I can get this right. My sur sur uh, Atavois. Which my, means, my, Charlie, my heart is open to your voice. Yes. But it's trickery, Charlie. It's trickery. She's tricking him. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. Spoiler a alert. A for- I might want to
1: go and see Samson and Delilah and not know how it ends.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, you've got the long hair of the of the Samson in his prime at the moment. You've got the lockdown locks, haven't you?
1: I have. I, I didn't. Uh, I was about to go to the barber just before we went into lockdown, and I couldn't. Yeah, um, so, as
2: I say, you look like a, a bass player from Bad Company. You know? Yeah, which yeah. we can't
1: see on the radio, but perhaps we could. Uh, might be able to put a photo up on the.
2: Okay. On right, the but anyway, this is. Yeah. Uh, this
1: but, is but no, I'll just let me just finish that. I'm okay. saying I'm not going to have it cut until it's all over, until we're finally clear of this thing.
2: That yeah, could be uh, but, yes. Okay, so yeah, mate. Yes. <laughs>
1: At <laughs> which point I'll be being arrested as a vagrant.
2: <laughs> um, well, this is another sort of slowly building piece. Um, she's trying to tempt Samson. And um, it's a beautiful, beautiful aria. And uh, my youngest daughter is called Delilah. I'd like to say it was after this, but it's more likely to be uh, after the Tom Jones. Uh, why, 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 Delilah? Yeah,
1: but there's not another aria in in Sanson's opera per k per k per k Delilah, is there?
2: <laughs> no. Do you know what I was? I, there's a, a beautiful bit at the end of, of one version of it where the where Samson comes in and goes, Dalila, Dalila. and I never can find it. I can never find that. It's lovely where they both just sort of echo off. Do you know that? In some it's, areas, there's a beautiful yeah. end where the 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 singers sort of walk off and you hear that lovely fading echoing harmony. Unfortunately I've never been able to find it since. <laughs> so I'll just imagine that, will you?
1: Yeah, well maybe maybe we could just uh, just dub in you you singing it over the end with a bit of echo. I'm not allowed to do Paul, I've, I've really enjoyed catching up with you and sharing this music. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. As well. I really
2: have, Jolly. I've had a, a fantastic time. And uh, we've learnt um, what have we learnt? I'll tell you what we've learnt is that we aren't very good at pronouncing. Um, <laughs> no.
1: But know. no, but no, I've just enjoyed myself. And that's the main thing. I hope you've enjoyed listening. And I hope you'll come back when my guest also once pretended to be a member of Slade. It's Bob Mortimer. And
2: Woo, lovely Bob!
1: Yeah, Bob Mortimer, your old fishing partner. Yeah. We were, I was going to talk about the fishing show, but I didn't. Maybe I'll talk to him about it.
2: Talk to him about it. He'll give you some interesting slant. Well, it has been amazingly, idea.
1: amazingly popular show, and congratulations yeah, on that.
2: Well, thank you very much. Maybe we'll go for a curry soon.
1: Well, as soon as we're
0: able, let us yeah. do that. In episode two of the Charlie Higson and Friends podcast, we heard an extract of Torna a Sorriento by Ernesto de Curtis, performed by Luciano Pavarotti and the orchestra of the Maggio Musicale Fiorentina. We also heard a clip of Offside by Barry Stoller, better known as the Match of the Day theme, followed by part of Mozart's Violin Concerto No. 5, performed by the London Symphony Orchestra, and Nikolai Sheps Znyder, available on the London Symphony Orchestra's own label, LSO Live. Paul chose an extract of Louis Farrakhan's live performance of Mendelssohn's violin concerto. And the final extract was from Going to Sleep from Richard Strauss's four last songs, performed by Jesse Norman and the Leipzig Gewandhaus Orchestra. Bob Mortimer is Charlie Higson's friend in the next two podcast episodes. And if you'd like to discover more about classical music, check out Scala Radio, home to Angelica Bell, Simon Mayo, Mark Kermode, Penny Smith and me, Hannah Cox. Broadcasting across the UK on DAB Digital Radio, online, smart speaker on the free to download app and on Sky TV channel 0216.